we've got the elements on the table. It's just a question of finding the right um, uh, recipe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Whittle with my friend and colleague Alfonso Rachel, and this is where we try to get underneath the uh, politics to the morality and the philosophy of things that are going on today. Uh, Zoe, we did our pre-election special where we uh, were talking about what we would do when the when the big Christmas presents arrived and the big <laughs> red tsunami came ashore and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Well, turns out it was a, a red ripple. We don't even know what the outcome is, and we probably won't know till Monday or Tuesday. We record this on uh, on Friday. Uh, which in itself is problematic, but let's put that aside for a minute. I've been talking about this a bit on Right Angle and, and on Stratosphere Lounge and stuff, and I'm going to be a bit of a broken record about this for at least a little while because I think it's the most important lesson from um, from the election. And basically, I can um, I can sum this up real simply. Uh, if I if I say the word woke politics, you know what that means. It mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you have to like it, but you know what it is. If I say the word conservative politics or Republican politics, no one has a clue. Yep. We know that that we're trying to stop a bunch of this stuff. We know that we're anti-woke and we're being defined by what we're not. And when I look at what happened um, uh, on Tuesday on the midterm election and and sat back in wonder and disbelief like so many other people that they could elect, you know, Fetterman and uh, uh, apparently a dead person in one of these districts was elected and been dead for a month, I think, when he was elected. And I, and then you count the cognitive uh, impairment, to say the least, of Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein and now Fetterman and Kamala Harris, obviously. And, you, and, I, and I really started asking myself some, some hard questions, because that's what you do if you're, you know, if you're a winner and you lose. You, you try to figure out why you lost rather than gripe about it. And I think the conclusion I came to, aside from the fact that we had some weak candidates, that's not the explanation. Why did why did so many people vote for such such horrible candidates? And I was on the Daily Wire uh, broadcast, and I said, um, you know, there, there's because I just realized that there's probably tens of millions of people that voted for Joe Biden in 2020 because of their deep and abiding love for Bobby Kennedy. In other words. The Democratic Party has a brand, and it has a um, – it's got a vision of what it is. It's moved ever further away from its own vision. I wasn't terribly fond of the vision in the first place, but the good news from, from the election is that we saw how a lot of the, the base of this vision of we're the, for the little guy, we're for the working man, we're for, you know, for justice against you – know, from the big fat robber barons and all the rest of it. But nevertheless, they have they have a program, they have a vision, and they have a, a philosophy. And the thing that struck me the most about the results on Tuesday uh, were that Democrats were coming out to vote for that vision with zero regard for who the actual person was. While mm-hmm. we, on the other hand, concentrated pretty much exclusively on the candidate, mm-hmm. who the candidate was, whether we liked him or not, and... And what this particular candidate's uh, uh, vision or, or philosophy is, and I came to the conclusion that we need a Republican vision, and we need it right now. And I thought I'd get your take on what would be included in that, because it's time to start crafting one and then selling it. 
I hear you, man. And, 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 and I'm going to take a cue from you also, man. It sounded like a broken record because I've been saying this for years. You have. Uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with liberalism. I mean, look at look at a prime example, man, would be Joe Biden. Joe Biden, man, is supposed to be everything that liberals claim to hate. He's old. He's white. He's rich. He's privileged. Right. He's, he's the quintessential uh, yep. uh, thing to hate for, for liberalism. But see, it's not about the person, as we've been trying to say. It's about their worldview and they sell it. It's in everything, man. It's, it's, in, it's in the TV. It's in the radio. It's in the lights that we use. It's in the toilets that we flush. Their worldview is in everything. Especially the toilets. Especially the toilets, man. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and they are toilets that you can feel good about, you know. Uh, but as far as the Republican voter goes, they, they're wrapped up in a figurehead. They're wrapped up in a person. They try to sell a candidate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... You, you, you can't do that. You, you got to sell conservatism. You got to sell it. Right. And you have to sell it in a vehicle that they can understand. It's like it's like uh, using a, a, a software, you know, whatever application that you're going to be. You can go ahead and try to communicate with your computer uh, with your computer. But if it doesn't understand, this, uh, you know, the, the file that it's in, well, good luck. And it's so, so it's kind of like it's an operating language. The Democrats yes. are working on, on on Windows, let's say, and every candidate works with Windows. And you you know that if you've got a Windows system and this software says it runs on Windows, then you know the software is going to work. Yeah, yeah, you got you got to be able to, to to understand language. And I and I like I said, I've said it a thousand times. When you got these liberals, they they they're. they're their communication is imagination. That's just where they live. Everything that they believe, they have to imagine. You got to right. imagine that the child in the womb ain't human. You got to imagine that you could be able to switch genders. You got to imagine yep. that somebody else's, the fruits of somebody else's labor is supposed to be spread around. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to society. You have, you have to imagine that there's no borders. You have to, every, everything about their worldview is imagination. It's, it doesn't, it's not practical and it doesn't play out in the real world, but they, that's where they live. So, we try to to uphold with them with reason and they're not going to buy it all right the only they come to buy reason and i don't want to ramble on but they come to buy reason when it gets too painful for them to bear and that's not really a good strategy for us to where we're dependent on them seeing how bad it hurts yeah there you go you know but because we can't sell our own principles. Well, not just that. It's like there doesn't seem to be a bottom to how bad it'll hurt before they change Indeed. their minds. Yeah. So waiting for them to suddenly wake up and smell the uh, inflation is just, you know, <laughs> it's just apparently not going to happen yeah. because the vision, right? And and we've talked so many times about what that democratic philosophy is and how repugnant so much of it is. And I don't want to spend any time on that right now mm. because mostly we'd just be going over old ground. So, so when you... When you look at the at the board and look at what happened on Tuesday and what's what's on the table right now, that's the nice thing about conservatism. You got to play the hand that you're dealt, right? Mm-hmm. You can improve the hand, but you can't wish you had four aces and, you know, and a king. You just can't do that. So um, what I see is Democrats came out much harder than we thought they would for their vision, which included Roe v. Wade and all the, all the rest of it. Uh, the the attachment of Trump to the campaign through this whole MAGA Republicans and end of democracy was more powerful than I thought it would be. And that's not only uh, uh, disappointing, but alarming. Mm. Uh, but when I look at what we've got on the, on the table, we've got 
Donald Trump, who generates enormous amounts of enthusiasm, enormous amounts of enthusiasm, fills 50, 60,000 seat stadiums. But it's beginning to be clear that that slice of the electorate is not half of the electorate, which I kind of assumed that it was, right? I kind of assumed that that it was more or less 50-50 people packing stadiums for Trump and then, you know, they, Biden was out, couldn't fill a high school gymnasium. I thought that's all the evidence you need. It turns out that I think that that's all the evidence you need that that Donald Trump is tremendously um, motivating factor for a lot of people, myself included. I thought he was a tremendous president. I thought he did. An, uh, 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 when you look back at what he did as a president, it's unbelievable. It's just hard to believe it actually happened. But we also find that there's a tremendous amount of negatives with Donald Trump. So we can't lose the enthusiasm. We can't just ditch that. And uh, not only can't you, I don't want to. The other big tangible, the big concrete thing that's on the table from Tuesday is the tremendous, unbelievable success of Ron DeSantis in Florida. Mm. And, and so I think if I were going to be crafting this message, and I know I've talked about this on Right Angle, but it's really important and we need feedback from, from our viewers too, obviously. On one hand, we've got enthusiasm. On the other hand, we've got competence. Ron DeSantis is not a great campaigner. He's not, he's not charismatic and he's not entertaining and fun the way Donald Trump is. Uh, Donald Trump is a showman and, and he gets the Make America Great Again thing. But just two days before the election, he started sniping at Ron DeSantis and uh, many Republicans and fans of Donald Trump along with me were like, why, why are you doing this? Uh, so how do we combine the enthusiasm, the MAGA enthusiasm? Because I'm a, I'm a super mega MAGA guy. <laughs> how do we combine that with, with DeSantis's astonishing record of governance? Because he didn't just win by 20 points. He, he swept the entire state. There's not a single Democratic member of Congress from Florida. None. Every single, every single district in Florida went red and by a wide margin. Plus, DeSantis's campaign ads, at least the one I saw that was most effective, wasn't, DeSantis, wasn't about DeSantis, really. It wasn't about him. You know, It was a series of working people, firemen, nurses, teachers, students, saying, thanks, uh, Governor DeSantis, you know, you didn't lock us out of school. Thanks, Governor DeSantis. You let us, you know, you let us keep our restaurant open. Thanks, Governor DeSantis. You backed the police. That kind of thing. That was a very effective ad, I thought. But what it was really showing was that this incredible shift for DeSantis was a result of him having dramatically improved the state of Florida. And DeSantis fights back. When they when he found out what they were doing in Florida schools, he got that law passed. It says, you, no, you don't get to indoctrinate our kids. Now, it only goes through fourth grade, but it's a start. When Disney became a propaganda mouthpiece for, for uh, wokeism, he said, well, okay, if you're going to be a political party, let's have a look at this super sweet deal that we made you back in the 1960s or early 70s for Disney World. You can start paying real taxes on that district now that it's, you know, 60 years later or whatever. Uh, so... To me, the message looks something like, here's Florida, the example of Florida, here's the example of California. <laughs> Babylon B just did a, uh, uh, one of their uh, headlines was that U-Haul is building a high-speed bullet train from California to, to Texas. <laughs> uh, and so people are leaving California and they're going to Florida. And they're going to Florida because Florida works. And... Florida works because it's governed by Republicans, and that means that Florida 
is a place where the government is doing the very minimum that a government has to do while in California, the government is doing not only the maximum, but beyond the maximum. So somehow in this mix, there's the MAGA enthusiasm of make America great again. There's that, there's that kind of in-your-face showmanship. There's both Trump and DeSantis and Kerry Lake, none of them take any crap from the press. They don't just let the press run over them with this, you know, accusatory uh, sentences and then just just try to back away from it. They just they just don't put up with it. So we can see that the 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 pieces of a of a winning strategy and a winning philosophy right there. The question is how do we put these things together? Indeed, man. Yeah, because I'd hate to think that if there if, if if the civil war decided to turn hot, that it wouldn't be between the DeSantis camp and the Trump camp. You know, because there's a lot of energy, <laughs> there's a lot of pinup uh, frustration going on on both sides there. That has to be resisted at all costs. That that's a yeah. catastrophe. Yeah, I, I mean, because you know that this this kind of stuff can get you know can get pretty heated. And uh, I mean, naturally, and I think you know as far as Florida goes, I mean, even Democrats speak volumes for how well uh, Florida would go. I mean, heck, even AOC was going to kick down in Florida. It's like, hey, that's that in itself is an advertisement campaign right there. It's like, AOC. yeah, they should have should have run that. <laughs> Might have, yeah, right. It's like AOC, like man, they doing things right over here. Let me go ahead and ease on yeah, down yeah. down to Florida. Yeah. Um, but with with what's going on uh, uh, there, when when people have a view, and, and you know, and I don't know what would facilitate people to be able to get an epiphany or get a clue of how this goes? If, if, if uh, DeSantis is, is uh, operating things uh, in his state where they're able to uh, resist uh, the pressures of what we're supposed to do in response to uh, control vid, um, where people are able to still uh, enjoy having businesses and, and a job and things like that, um, maybe it was one of those things where, hey, you know, we're seeing what's happening to the rest of the country because, because you know, Bill, a lot of times people they 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 have a um they have this microcosm reaction to things. They think that what's going on in their environment is the state of the rest of the world. Like yep, LA is like yep. a prime yep. uh, uh view of that. They just think that the whole world is dirty and and all that and corrupt, just like they are. And they're the saints and everybody else's, you know, but that's just how they are. Florida doesn't, I don't know if it worked that way. They're like looking at, you know, hey man, you know, what what's what's happening here is working. And the rest of the country, it ain't seem to be working for them. And DeSantis seems to be at the helm of this. Maybe we just need to go for that. I don't know how they were able to, to come to that epiphany, but, you know, thank God it worked. Well, you mentioned um, last week, um, the, the the key point was that there was a, a huge shift of Latinos, Blacks, and presumably young women, mm -hmm. single women, although they came out 70% for Democrats. Um, but you mentioned that, that there was a, well, there there is, there's a, a significant shift away from this traditional Democratic base towards Republicans. They're moving, they're voting Republican. And you pointed out quite correctly and most importantly that it's not so much that they're coming to the Republican Party as they're running away from the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. And likewise, it's not so much that people are moving to Florida because of what Florida represents mm -hmm. uh, I, in terms of ideals. They're moving away from California and it's, you know, and it's trash dumps and bubonic plague, yeah. right? So, so they're being forced away from blue states and they're being forced away from blue philosophy and they're not being attracted to red states and red philosophy because we don't have one articulated. We certainly have one, yeah. just not articulated. Right. And... 
in the course of discussing this and, and, and getting feedback from our viewers and from everybody else, it's starting to feel like that the, the, the message should be essentially America is great because America believes, the traditional vision of America believes that you know how to run your life better than the government. When we say let's make America great again, we mean let's make America like Florida again. Florida let you make the decisions and not the government. California made the decisions for you. That's why everybody's leaving California and coming to Florida. They're coming to freedom. And freedom is a term that everybody bandies about, but freedom actually needs to be defined. And we should, and, and as much as I love the term, anytime we use the word liberty, it's game over, right? That is a term that means nothing to people who have not heard the history of the American Revolution, and it immediately sounds archaic. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, my entire life is dedicated to the, to the preservation of liberty. But as a term, it automatically sounds like well, we talked about this with the word capitalism, right? right? Capitalism was invented by Marx. It was invented as a purgative by Marx. And when you say capitalist, you start thinking of Mr. Moneybags from Monopoly, a huge guy with a vest and a high hat, you know, and a monocle, and he's holding a big sack with a dollar sign on it. That's what a capitalist is. So we're not talking about capitalism. We're talking about the free market. We're talking about the ability to own whatever you want to. We're talking about money is a device for you to vote every day. I like this thing. I don't like that thing. You have choices. You have competition. All of this stuff together is our philosophy, and we've got to get it crystallized. We've got to get it simplified and humanized and, and clear. And, and we cannot expect that people will vote Republican despite the candidate. And I don't, I don't ever want that to happen, nevertheless, but that's certainly what happened on Tuesday. Until we get that message crystallized, and then we got to make sure that every single Republican who's running is, is on some level tapping into that vision. This is, this is why I'm a Republican, because these, things are, these are the things I believe in, and I think you believe in them too. And then you've, then you've actually made the sale. Indeed, man. And you know, the, see, with the, with the liberals... They have they have a standard or, or, or lack of a way a better way of putting it. They they have uh, a certain value that that uh, that glues them together that unifies them. And you're right. Where as far as Republicans go, we don't see like a lot of times with the it's just it's in our personality matrix. It's kind of how we're wired. A lot of times Republican voters. And, uh, and of course, the conservative persuasion. A lot of times we're too individualistic to our own peril. You know, it's it's yeah. there 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 is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Th that lack of, of of teamwork and the thing to really be rallied around. You know, starting with the the question of making America great again. Okay, as you've used the word define, def make America great again sounds like even to me sounds very vague. What is this period? Vague is the word I'm trying to destroy here. Yes, yes. absolutely. You know, it's it's. When we say make America great again, well, great again for who? What what period to you would be this period where America was great that we want to go back to? And what was great? What 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 was it that was great? Indeed, you know, is, are, are we going to talk about oh the economy or this? And it's like I, I think that folks need to understand. This is one of the reasons that it gives us the stigma of appearing so materialistic and only caring about money and things like that. We think that a great America is a is a job is a, an America with a, a booming job market and 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 the economy is great. The economy is not going to save America. 
jobs are not going to save America. Man, how many times do we go into the grocery store and we see these people with good jobs on the tabloids? They got great jobs. They got the dream job. They're famous and they're rich and they're going through a divorce and they're going through alcoholism and drugs. If the economy is not going to say it, 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 like the economy is supposed to give to, to, to bring 350 million people together. A job and a great economy doesn't oftentimes hold two people together. All right. So it's our dependency on thinking that a great jobs and a great economy is what's going to save us. It's not. That's not the thing that makes America great. If you don't have an internal constitution to be able to handle those things, yep. then then what good is the money to you? What good is a good job? So, I mean, I look at these things and I'm like, OK, that's really not the issue when we talk about making America first. Man, let me just go ahead and and, and, and put on my, my, my theological hat. You know, that has some people like, you know, writhing in pain, like they got hit by some holy water or some salt on a slug. But the bottom line is it ain't about making America first because none of us have the power to 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 perpetuate something indefinitely. Why do we not rely on what is fixed and eternal if we want to preserve America indefinitely? I mean, the thing is, folks, we're finite creatures. America itself is a finite institution. All right. It is built, however, on something that is eternal. But too many oftentimes people want to forget that. That's right. And where does that eternal thing comes from? The founders tell us where it comes from. Hey, man, we pledge our lives, our fortune, our sacred honor, appealing to the supreme judge of the world. But we keep looking for a politician or our own ideas of what it takes to preserve America. Look, man, we're going to die. <laughs> and it's like, I do not trust in a creature that dies to tell me how to preserve something in the perpetuity. Yeah. I trust in the one who does not die or the one who is able to die and come back. I trust in him. That is my tent pole. That is my pillar of who I rely on to keep this thing going. Now, and just to just to really give folks and this isn't to discourage folks. Ain't nobody had a better per better message. What fault can you find with the message of the one who came and died to give us eternal life? You can't find a fault with him. But even he wasn't able to sell it on everybody. They still killed him. Right. But the bottom line is, is that that message is letting us know that, man, we're not we're not going to reach everybody. It's always going to be a fight. Always. But you at least want to have the fortification to say that, look, man, you may be cr going crazy, but you ain't taking me with you. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what it takes. So um, in this process, I'm going through intensely now trying to get some handle on this message. I think maybe uh, like a, a precursor of it would be something like take control of your life again. Mm. Get the government out of the way again. Um, do what you think is right again. Raise the kids you way you want to again. That's that's the direction I'm kind of heading in. Mm. And 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 thinking visually about it, I think that that the that the kind of imagery we should be looking for is we should be looking at the imagery of of like little tiny green plants coming out of the earth like growth, life, sunshine. Mm -hmm. When everything that you think about with a city is concrete, darkness and garbage. And and just start playing with these um, opposites with these extremes. And again, I'm just spitballing this, but but if you were talking about um, take control of your life again, and I was doing a political ad for that, I might just show two or three people walking down a street chatting 
and have two other people coming the other way, and those two people are wearing masks, and these three people aren't, and they, hey, how you doing? Good, thanks, how are you? Right? Take control of your life again doesn't mean that you are required not to wear a mask, just as one example. It just means that if you want to wear a mask, it's your business. If you don't, that's also your business. And and that that projection of it as as that projection of, of conservatism as not look, progressivism has a rigid set of rules for behavior. And progressives think, and some progressives think that, okay, so I've got this rigid rules of behavior as a progressive. If I become a conservative, I've got another rigid rules of behavior that are going to turn me into the negative image of, of what I am, and, and I want to get the hell away from this mm. uh, this city. But but the thing that we have to make clear is that no freedom means you get to be whatever you want. We don't force you to be anything. You're not required to not wear a mask in Florida. You see what I'm saying? Yep. It's it's like this is the 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 key to it. And I think finally, although this is an entirely different subject, maybe we'll save it for next week. Uh, is that when when you look at the biggest electoral success in American history, the 1984 election, Reagan came 5,000 votes short of running the table, and he didn't campaign in Minnesota specifically, so he could have could have had every single state red. And he did it because he had a message of mourning in America, but he also did it because he wasn't nasty. Mm. There was nothing to hate about him. You could hate his politics, but the guy wasn't mean. And Donald Trump is mean, and, and, and you needed mean to beat the meanest, nastiest person ever to run in American politics that I'm aware of, namely Hillary Clinton. But if you're going to draw people, you've got to you've got to make that something that is more accessible without losing, without losing Trump's incredible ability to 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 drain the swamp, to to fight for the for the people. He's not he's not in anybody's pocket. He's not he's not a pawn. He's not a, he's not a result of the system, right? So so we've got the elements on the table. It's just a question of finding the right um, uh, recipe. Right? We got the ingredients. We need the recipe. How much of this? How much of that? Put it together. We can bake ourselves a real nice cake. For uh, Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. The show is made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com. We're always very grateful for your support and your free choice to support this program. And um, and again, both uh, Zoe and I are very grateful for all of that. So we'll see you next time right here on uh, The Virtue Signal. Mm-hmm.